Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. And this is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning with Lyle and... Man, good morning. Morning, morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm great. Did you see that sunrise this morning? Oh, you wouldn't have, you were stuck in the studio. I was one who was late, but the benefits of being late is that I saw the most incredible sunrise I have seen in a long time. It was all kinds of spectacular. I went through like different phases. It was, ah, oh, I wish I could paint like a sunrise looks. Cool. Yeah. We saw the sunrise yesterday. Oh, did you? It was awesome. How come you saw the sunrise yesterday? It was just amazing. Were I you late know. for work yesterday? No, it was just, it was that like really early pre-sunrise sunrise. Oh, okay. No, you need to get the full bloom like right before it dies sunrise. That's like, yeah. like a flower in full bloom right before it carks it. It's when it's as most beautiful. Amazing. And of course, all of you listening to The Breakfast Show are morning people. So that means that you usually get to see the sun come up and the benefits of sunrise. What are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? Oh, what am I grateful for this morning? Let me think about that for a moment. You know, I cut a tree down in my backyard some years ago. Greenies everywhere are now crying. Thank you, Lyle. Thank you. And cut it up for firewood. Yes. And then I took some of the pieces of firewood and cut cut them up into uh, little boards. Okay. Uh, Because it was nice decorative timber and I used some of it yesterday and it came up really nice. Oh, what did you do with it? I made up a little thing for my car. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I made a little cutting board for my I, I, wife. I, I, I mounted. No, um, so I, I, ma- I, I used it to mount a couple of um, um, voltmeters. No one, one, one has for, any one idea each, what that is again. One, Lyle. one for each battery. Okay, good on you. Wood, wood, voltometers, whatever it is. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> it's cool. It's really nice, nice piece. Of, I don't know what it is. It's some kind of weird. Thing. Nobody knows what it is, Lyle. No, I just, <laughs> the tree. <laughs> you finally it's, admitted it's a, it. It was green. Oh, okay, great. The leaves are green. The oh, leaves are green. Woohoo! But it was yes. a tree. Yes. Okay. Let and me- it's a hardwood, but it's soft. <laughs> do you know me- that? Do you know that um, some hardwoods are very soft? Well, speaking of soft, if you'd rather go hard and join the live show, you can do so because this is actually the delayed broadcast introduction. Uh, we tell you this every morning. There's nothing new to share here. Uh, just jump across to the live show. You can download the TuneIn app uh, and download the free version, of course. Search for Faith FM Australia. Add that to your favorites. Listen to us there. Plug us through in your aux cable, in your car, while you're doing the dishes. Or you can just go to the website, faithfm.com.au, press play on the live stream, or give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-8443. And uh, bother us about getting the live show out to your area. When you strayed from the fold and there's trouble in your soul, you hear the blessed Savior calling you When your soul is lost in sin And you're at your journey's end Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you Calling you Calling you Calling you Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you He will take you by the hand Lead you to that Blessed Savior. 
blessed Savior calling you. If you follow Him each day, He will brighten up your way. Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? You're listening to The Lower Lights with Calling You here on Faith FM. As we kick off the breakfast show, we have our first clue for our quiz. It's not our first clue, Lyle. It's our third clue. Oh, okay. Maybe even our the fourth The rollover from yesterday. Give us a quick rundown of okay, our clues okay. from yesterday. Okay, so this is a what number am I quiz. And uh, if anyone remembers the first flu, flu the first flu, mm-hmm. don't forget the first flu. Much worse. Don't than catch like, this one. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the first few clues. Um, I'm going to run over them again. Let me just open my Instagram. By the way, if you want to check out the clues again. Check out it on Instagram <laughs> where we have. Sorry, I was trying to mute the microphone. <laughs> and my finger wouldn't press the microphone. <laughs> I was like tapping the button so and it wouldn't Mon mute. sneezing into the microphone. Sorry, everyone. Okay. Good morning right. and hi. Welcome to my sneeze. <laughs> have you ever had that where you try and press the mute button and just won't go mute? It's no, like, it's always muted for me. Because it's a touch screen and sometimes it's just like, no, nah, that's not a finger. I refuse to acknowledge that your finger is a finger. And then I'm my like, phone does it, but the, that, that, that. Doodad there is the, the tablet's always worked for me. Okay, fine. It's just my I don't know that I want to touch it now. Maybe I'm dead inside it on the outside it as well. Um, anyway, okay. Gross. So, <laughs> yeah, go thank you for trying to jump in there and cover my sneeze. You did well. <laughs> you did well, Lyle. Uh, if you do want to check out our, <laughs> our clues over and over again, at least for 24 hours, you can do so on our Instagram. Uh, so, our Instagram name is faithfmlive, lowercase one word. And uh, we post up on our Insta story every morning all the clues for the quiz. So, if you want to rehash them, get a glimpse of what it looks like in our studio or what I look like in the morning, having not done my hair, uh, then you can jump on there. But for now, here's a rundown of the clues we've had so far for this What Number Am I rollover quiz. So, number one was, the Lord made a shadow go back this number of steps as a sign to Hezekiah that he would live 15 more years. Clue number two, the chapter in Luke's gospel that records the parable of the Good Samaritan. Clue number three, the number of tribes of Israel that made up the northern kingdom. And did we have that one yesterday? I never remember having that one, but okay. maybe we did. I okay. don't know. Maybe we should just leave it there. Leave it there for now. Yeah, well, yeah we've given enough, yeah. given enough clues now. You should know what number that is. Yeah. Give us a call. 1-800-324. 843. That's the number you need to know right now. Yeah, 1-800-FAITH-FM. And if you do know the answer, um, you will win a copy of The Great Controversy, a really incredible, um, life-changing book. And uh, that'll be all yours. Just tell me what number that is. Lyle. Yes. I have got some crazy good news. Okay. Born out of bad news, which actually is my favorite kind of good news. Right. And something We can change something bad and take it into something good. That's like just epic. So I'm sure you've heard of Rideshare. Mm, yeah, like Uber. Uh, rideshare bicycles. Oh, okay. How yes. do they work? Um, they're, they're in many cities now. It's where you just uh, have certain spots where you pick them up and drop them off kind of thing? Well, there's two different brands of this. There's one like where the French decided to, like just the government just 
popped out all these white bicycles and just left them sitting all over the city. And the idea was that people could just jump on one, drive, like ride to where they wanted to go on the other side of Paris and then like hop off and leave against a tree and then, you know, someone else can have a go. Uh, and, uh, and then there's different ones where there's companies who make it for profit, like in Melbourne, where they have like little stations with the bikes all locked in and you have to pay like a vending machine and you get a bicycle, you get a certain amount of time and then you return it to another one because they have little stations all over the city center. The thing is, this is, in Singapore, they have ride-sharing scooters. They don't anymore. Brisbane oh. has uh, Brisbane has little um, uh, little scooters as well. What do you mean? Though? The dead uh, was just there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, so Brisbane had or the Gold Coast or somewhere up there had um, what do you call it? It's just like it's just a like a handle and a thing you stand on. A scooter. Okay, when you say scooter, I think it's going to be electric. But anyway, Brisbane had the scooters and people hated it. But the thing with this rideshare stuff is... Why do they hate scooters? What have they got against scooters? No, apparently people go too fast and zoom around people too much and um, it, accidents are happening. Because you can get like much closer than you can on a bicycle to someone. Yeah. Um, okay, so the thing with all this rideshare stuff, while is that uh, although it's a really great, almost utopian idea... They actually fail miserably all the time, and they're being shut down constantly. The thing that happened in France is that the French government didn't un- underestimate the uh, criminal intents of their citizens, and within a couple of days, every single one of them had been stolen and repainted. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, That's terrible. Yeah, it is. Parisians, it, yeah. you've got to be kidding me. I mean, we can't blame the Parisians themselves. It could have been. But I mean, the you, tourists, can, you can but- you can pick up bikes on the side of the road during the council. Pick up. Pick yeah, up. Yeah, Why yeah. would you steal a council bike? It's a free bike. It came from the government. People hate the government. Like, I'll take this freebie. They owe me one. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just speaking for prisoners. This is the dumbest thing ever. You could go on Gumtree. How many bikes? Do, yeah. Bikes, like, Actually, seriously? bikes get snapped up. Free bikes get snapped up on Gumtree pretty quick because there's lots of um, people who have a little side hustle, a little side business where they fix up bikes and sell them. They have like bike repair businesses as a little side thing, side gig. But anyway, so these businesses actually fail colossally. The world over. Uh, I think the one in Brisbane shut down. I'm not sure the one in Melbourne's still going or if it's actually had to curtail, but the one in Singapore went belly up in a big way. But, and this is a super cool thing, uh, there's a fella, Mike Than Tu Win. I'm really sorry if I mispronounced your name, Mike. I'm just going to call you Mike from now on. Um, he he was really heartbroken um, that this company, O-Bike, uh, which we withdrew from the Singapore market, uh, they actually began their liquidation process in June. Um, you know, mm. he was just like, I can't handle having mountains of, of discarded bikes just being left behind because there were literally thousands of bikes um, that were just going into into landfill. And, uh, Why didn't they just leave them out in the city like they did in Paris, and then they'd all get stolen, stolen. and the big problem solved? Why put them into actually, landfill when there's plenty of actually with this with this thieves kind of out there bike, who need a bike? With this kind of bike, there is an issue, um, and I'll explain to you in a minute why there's an issue. Um, uh, he didn't want to let these 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 bikes all pile up in the junkyard or get left around uh, rusting and unattended. And uh, so the and this is crazy because the manufacturer of these bikes is it anything from three hundred to five hundred dollars per unit. Mm. These are not cheap bikes. Um, and so guess what he did? I have no idea. So he's actually been on uh, various numerous uh, trips to Myanmar in the past, and he's always been struck with um, the incredibleness of the fact that students in Myanmar in the rural villages will often walk for hours mm-hmm. to get to school, mm-hmm. like. If you like just seeing how people in third world countries value education puts people in first world countries to shame 
We complain about going to school. We complain about having exams. We complain about education. If you see what little barefoot kids in villages in like pretty much every country in the world. I've seen it in the Solomon Islands where they walk five hours to get to school. That's it. That's it. So this guy was inspired. Mike was inspired. And he was like, (laughs) do you know what? I'm going to buy every single one of these bicycles and I'm going to send them to the kids in Myanmar. And so that's what he did. And it's just incredible. Like, it's just incredible what he's done. Um, this has, like, been one of the biggest uh, undertakings that he's had to do. And so there's, they've already shipped, successfully shipped about 4,700 brand new bikes um, with another 5,300 along the way. And uh, But this is a like, – I'm going to show you a little picture here, Lyle. Look at this. Like a sea wow. of bikes. Just a sea of bikes. Oh, that's incredible. Um, yeah, but he's had a lot of red tape to do. Uh, it's been extremely expensive for him. So far, it's cost almost half a million dollars, and most of that financing has come from his pocket. Uh, but he's in talks with government organizations and grassroots charities um, in order to, like – distribute the bikes properly he he started up a charity called less walk which is funny because i was like no third world countries need less walk first world countries need more walk (laughs) (laughs) that's right but the but some of the issues are for example like it's it's actually quite expensive for him it's not just like his yeah that would this would cost a lot of money yeah you got to buy those bikes from the liquidator and then you've got to ship them and exactly and not only that but they have to bikes are like the worst thing ever to ship pack yeah they don't anywhere have you ever tried to put a bike in a car it is the most ugly thing on the planet to try and load. He needs to talk to some IKEA employees on how to flat pack these yeah. <laughs> Um But in addition to all that, uh, he also had to replace the ride-sharing electrical system with the regular key locks. And this is what I was going to tell you about. Like, if you left these bikes out on the road for people to steal, they wouldn't get very far because they have an electrical system to, that allows them to be plugged into these vending machines when they're doing the business. And so it's actually very difficult and extremely easy to spot that you'd pinch that bike. From, a, from this business. Um, but yeah, there's lots of red tape and fees in relation to shipping the bikes from Singapore to Myanmar. Um, but yeah, he's having success. School kids are losing their minds. They can now get to work in like school a fraction of a time, just a fraction. Like you used to walk for hours and now they're just zoom and they're there. Like, it's so cool. Like how great is that? That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. That's I, really good I think good there news. should be like some sort of clause that if you're starting up any sort of a bicycle business, like there should be like a footnote. If your bicycle business goes nuts, um, liquidated, bust, they are yeah. going to a developing country yeah, somewhere. Yeah, you have to send your bikes. You have to foot the bill to send your, your leftover bikes to, uh, to a third world country to help out kids. I think this is great. And do you know what? He apparently used to... Um, used to scavenge bikes, uh, like, you know, out of junkyards and off the side of the road himself and put them back together with the intent of one day sending them over. But this really lit the fire under that dream. And now he's just sending thousands and thousands and thousands of bikes. You can actually jump online and go check out uh, his his charity. Just just Google Less Walk. Um, so he has a Facebook page, but he also has lesswalk.org. And if you just look up, even if you just look up Google Images, you'll see some heartwarming pictures of uh, little Myanmar kids, Myanmese, I don't know how to say it, all having little bicycle races down dirt roads. Wonderful story. Place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever living one, his wounds for me shall bleed. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough. 
this ends my fear and doubt A sinful soul I come to him He'll never cast me out I need no other argument I need no other plea It is enough that Jesus died And that he died Precious blood he shed For me his life he That was Mark Miller, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. You're listening to Faith FM, and you are about to get another clue for the quiz. What have you got for us there, Mon? Okay, clue number four. The the least number of righteous people that were needed to be found in Sodom to keep God from destroying it. Okay, you know that number. You know what number to call. Give us a call here right now. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. Mon, we are going to talk about plastic. Oh, okay. How much plastic do you eat every week? Eat? Yes. I mean, hopefully none. Uh, but you do. You eat lots of plastic every week. Are you serious? Okay. So Newcastle University has just completed analysis, which was commissioned by the World Fund for Nature on how much plastic you eat every week. I'm really disturbed right now. Okay. Someone, right. someone yes. just told me, my housemate just told me that apparently I eat eight spiders in my lifetime in my sleep. That didn't go down too well with me then, so I'm really hoping your plastic story isn't going to go down the same Okay, so take out a credit card and stack them up uh, 50 high, and that's how much you eat per year. Per year? Hmm. Like in so my one, sleep? One, one credit card per week you eat Is this like the plastic. spider thing where I'm eating plastic in my sleep? Am I waking up and like I don't know. I don't eat spiders card? in my sleep. What are no, you talking like, about? Like when you're sleeping with your mouth open, like, <laughs> like a spider crawls in your mouth and then gets goes down there. That's literally, that's literally how you eat eight spiders And they research, they research this how? I don't know, but per what lifetime. What is the science behind this? Per, how do they research people gnawing on their credit cards? Yeah, easy. They just uh, measure the amount of uh, plastic that there is that is filtering into food. How is it getting into the food? Oh, and by the way, um, places like Europe and Indonesia have twice as much plastic as uh, eat twice as much plastic as the US and India. Uh, uh, how is this okay, like legally it, allowed to it, stick it as an ingredient in food? No, 
No, these are microplastics. Okay. So basically since plastic was invented less than 100 years ago, it has taken over the world. We have been studying the amount of plastic that um, nature is eating, you know, birds, fish, animals and so forth, and we're finding you know huge amounts of plastic inside their guts. Mm-hmm. Microplastic has become the biggest issue because – Plastic breaks down, but it never goes away. Yeah. And so if you have, say, for instance, a plastic chair that's by your swimming pool and it sits in the sun, you'll notice it gets flaky on the outside after a while. That's the plastic breaking down, but it's not going away. It's just turning into microplastics and they work their way into the the water table, into the food system and start to get passed around uh, that away. And that's how most of the plastic that you're eating is through the water supply. Through the water supply. Through the water supply. So it's coming through bottled water. Um, bottled water has about the same amount of plastic in it as tap water does. Oh, no. Um, and Can you filter it out at any point? Like, is it possible? Yeah, that's a really good question. Probably, I would think so, that water filters would be effective um, against microplastics. But the high, the animals, well, the, the, the food with the highest levels of plastic in them are shellfish, top of the list. Mm-hmm. No surprise there because mm-hmm. they live in river estuaries and they are actually filters. That's their yes, job. Yeah, the That's their purpose is the to filter out all the toxins. Mm-hmm. And why anyone would ever go and eat a filter, I will never, ever know Vacuum because it's just cleaner. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, disposal. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. It's like going to the dump and like, yeah, I'm going to just uh, fill yeah. up on everything that's here. Yeah, it's gross. Um, beer, second on the list. Really? I'm not sure why. Well, you and I are doing pretty well here. We don't eat either yep. of those things. The third one is a bit of a problem specifically for me. I do have a certain addiction this direction. Salt. Oh. I do like a bit of salt, eh? There's plastic in salt? Yeah. I don't know why. That's utterly bizarre. But it go is. on. Okay, so then we have to... Uh, then we have to look at, um, you know, what kind of a, an impact this is actually happening, uh, is actually taking place in our world, well, in our in our life, in ask, our health. Yeah, yeah, is it is it staying in the body? Yeah. Okay. Okay, right. so there's two things that it causes a problem with. One is that it's carcinogenic. Fun. Great. Okay. Yeah. And Ooh. the next one I found most interesting is that it messes with your endocrine system. Oh, are you serious? Depression. Right there. We wonder why there's such an epidemic of depression in our world. It's been caused by plastic, amongst a million other things. I wonder if they could like stick the statistics for the spike in um, depression next to the invention of plastic. That's very interesting because what they were saying was that, okay, we're eating a credit card's worth per week right now. Per That's a, week. Per week. That's a lot. That's a lot of plastic. Um, and... They are uh, you know, so we're, we're eating you know one, one per week, but of course that amount is constantly rising because our whole world is being overtaken by plastic. Yeah, you know what's plastic's been around for what hundred eighty years? Well, Better eighty. Bakelite bake plastic is now officially an antique because it's more than a hundred years old. Yeah, mm-hmm. and bakelite's not really the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's like an early plastic. Yeah, but true plastic's been around for. Uh, probably less than 100 years, and they have completely taken over the whole world. It really has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, we need to, we need to look at, um, um, yeah, different. There's some good things happening around the place. If you look at uh, the Take 3 initiative, Take 3 was started here in Newcastle, um, which means that when you go to the beach, you take three pieces of plastic home with you. Um, it's now in 129 countries and has removed 10 million pieces of plastic from um, the coastlines. 
Do you know, I actually, I was mentioning to you yesterday, I think I had a solution for that big plastic patch that's out in the ocean, the one that's the size of Queensland. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you realise, but Adidas, you know Adidas, the, uh, the, the sports clothing brand? They've been, um, the last few years now, they've been using recycled ocean plastic, like literally junk they found in the ocean, to make this line of eco shoes. And the shoes have just blown up. Like retailers cannot sell them fast enough. They're just like, whew, flying off the shelves. And because, um, you know, not only does it give people an excuse to buy new cool shoes, but they're also like doing it, doing the environment a favor. So like, <laughs> it's, you know. It's, you get to give yourself a warm fuzzy while you go shoe shopping. Right. And so they've had such a success with it that they're wanting to um, uh, broaden that range. And so they're now working on, uh, they now already released soccer jerseys um, and they want to add more shoe styles to that eco range. And I was thinking, do you know what? If all the shoe manufacturers in the world jumped on this bandwagon and just created spectacularly stylish shoes, the push from consumers, because consumers are king, right? That's right. The push for consumers, we would munch up that plastic patch and turn it into shoes and it would be gone within, I don't know, maybe a decade. Yeah, and now it's big. I need to turn it into women's stylish plastic shoes. Why do you say women's, Lyle? Because, well, guys have like... You know, Adidas th- makes more men's shoes than women's shoes, right? Really? It's a sports brand. It's like Nike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you turn it into all kinds of different shoes, because yeah, I mean, men have t- two pairs of shoes. No, they don't. Sneakerheads have hundreds and hundreds of pairs of sneakers. Yeah, but how many the sneakerheads are like... Just, just because you niche. don't have two pairs of shoes. Anyway... Two pair of bunnies, that's all the person needs. One for dress, one for work. Bunnies need to get on, ba- on the bandwagon and yeah, start making work bits with recycled uh-huh. eco, um, uh-huh. ocean plastic. But yeah, yeah, that's how I think we could do it. I think we could all, if everyone just went out and bought one pair of ocean plastic shoes, we'd be sorted. That thing would okay, be so gone. the scud divers, you heard of the scud divers, the no. Sunshine Coast Cleanup Divers, um, recently found a, a number of items that were more than 40 years old that show the durability of plastic. So uh, they found a, a KFC bag, a Coles bag, a Woolworths bag, and a sarsaparilla can. Um, of course, that one was aluminium, but these were all cleaned up from the bottom of the Malula River. Um, around the, the, the oldest one was, um, was the KFC bag, but complete and intact with its logo 40 years on. Yeah, that's not great. That's and, and this is just you know obviously the the very tip you know what they're saying of a massive plastic iceberg on the bottom of the Malula River that they've been cleaning up. Um, so far, far there's they've taken out one hundred and fifty five, one hundred and fifty five thousand plastic pieces of plastic film, six hundred and forty thousand. Uh, pieces of hard plastic, 213,000 cigarette butts, and 25 kilometres of fishing line. Whoa. <laughs> this is pretty heavy when That's you stop and think about it. crazy. And these are just some, some recreational divers who just go out and see how much plastic they can, uh, they can gather up in a, uh, you know, during a dive in the bottom of the Malula River. Yeah, what a great hobby. I, I appreciate them turning their hobbies into yeah, something to benefit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, research has, has pointed out that 90% of ingested plastic amongst wildlife is between 2 and 10 millimetres long. And so it's plastic that is broken down into a size that you're never going to pick it up. Yeah, remember how I told you in Kenya that since they changed the law to no plastic bags allowed, the abattoirs have gone from finding 10 bags on average inside every cow to finding only four. That's a, that's a lot of bags. To Only ingest. four bags yeah. inside of a cow. Yeah, but ten to begin with is disgraceful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a, the image in my mind of that hippo munching on that plastic bag oh, that we saw. in yeah. Lake Owasa in Ethiopia that will never leave my mind. It's just uh, 
embedded itself there. Okay, so plastic is one of those things that we do need to be dealing with here in this country. A while ago, it was a war on paper bags because they were cutting down trees, but now we've found that plastic is actually a whole lot worse because you can replant trees, but you when plastic goes into the environment, it is there to stay. There was a man, they called him Jesus, walked the shores of Galilee, healed the sick and calmed the waters, made the blind eye to see, raised the dead and cleansed the leper, had the power to set men free. Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. And joining us in the studio this morning is David Stojic, weekly contributor here, uh, who brings to us all kinds of information about uh, depression and emotions and relationships. relationships. <laughs> this week we are in the middle of a two-part series, and of course you had uh, Mon last week. And, yeah, I'm here for this week, but uh, we're talking about maintaining sexual purity. Uh, very, very important subject. 
uh, particularly in today's world where it's kind of almost even looked down on to maintain uh, sexual purity. Last week we said that God is the author of sexuality. Uh, it's a gift from God. He wants us to exercise it within boundaries yep. uh, of a committed relationship between one man and one woman, which is what we call marriage. That's right. Um, and we spoke about you know some of the misconceptions about sex that came into the Christian church through uh, Augustine of Hippo back in the fourth century. Um, he, you know, he came up with his idea that sex should be solely for the function of procreation. That's right. <laughs> what a killjoy. <laughs> um, sounds very Plato-ish to me. That's very true. Um, That's very true. Right there. A pure spirit and, and, and uh, not a very good body, you know. That's the, that distinction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't very but, Gnostic. That's right. So, so, and for this reason, uh, Lyle, we started our conversation about things we need to know about sexuality. And we said we were going to look at some strategies or guidelines for maintaining sexual purity uh, the following week. And uh, so we are here today to continue our conversation on this, as you said, very important topic. And, and, and being colleagues in ministry uh, and dealing with, with, with issues of human sexuality, uh, among other things, uh, we both can agree that this is a topic that uh, needs to be Absolutely. About. Absolutely. And I, I, I tend to think, you know, we might get more listeners for this subject than, uh, <laughs> than we normally do. Uh, but for the benefit of those who did not hear our conversation last week, um, could you recap some of the main points that you shared with us on a yeah. b- biblical view of sexuality? Yes, yes, uh, definitely. Um, well, from the biblical perspective, uh, God created sex. Uh, sex is good. Uh, and and sex existed before there was any sin in the world. So when God created Adam and Eve, He gave them that gift mm-hmm. within the boundary of, of of the marriage relationship. So before sin ever entered the planet, you know there was sex. So it was uh, to be exercised uh, in the context of trust and commitment. And and uh, you might have heard me speaking on the topic of marriage before. Two pillars of of marriage are trust. And commitment. So, so sexual relationship, uh, is intended by God to be, to be fulfilled in that context, uh, uh, in that context, uh, uh, of relationship between one man and one woman. Uh, like all good gifts from God, uh, sex can be misused and perverted. We, we, we actually, uh, last week what we spoke about, you know, Augustine of Hippo, uh, because of his guilt trip and his Past, you know, we, we quoted his fa- famous uh, uh, prayer: "God grant me chastity, but not yet." <laughs> so he was battling with that, in, 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 and he penned it down in his confessions, you know, his book Confessions, and and so, so great struggle. Uh, and, and then he somehow came to a conclusion that, that sex was detrimental, and that it could be only used in the in the context of procreation. So, which is not really what God intended. No, not at all. Uh, so. so uh, our sexual purity is essential for our walk with God. In First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three, we read, "It is God's will that you should be sanctified, so life of sancti- sanctified life, that you should avoid sexual immorality." So, so very clear instruction from the scripture. And finally, we said. God would not tell us to abstain from impurity if it was not impossible to obey Him. So when God says, abstain from it, God always provides strength and a way for us to actually maintain that purity. Yeah, and that's uh, um, 
obviously uh, abstaining from impurity, not abstaining from sex. That's right. That's, uh, that's I mean, hey, there's a whole book of the Bible, Song of <laughs> Solomon. It's all about, you know, sex and relationships and these kind of things, that's and it wouldn't right. be in the Bible if God didn't see it as being an important thing. A good point. But it makes sense. You know, God's not cruel. He doesn't command us to abstain from necessities, such as eating and drinking, um, when it comes from sex. Um, it's different. You can abstain from it. It's a strong desire, um, but it's never emergency and never a necessity. Yeah. Well, some people dry, argue, and, and and you know when you when you look at the Maslow pyramid, <laughs> you know from the human the humanistic psychology, some people would would argue that sex is a necessity of life. But uh, I haven't heard of any people dying because they haven't had sex. Have you? No, I haven't heard of that. <laughs> uh, I do feel very bad for them, but uh, I've never heard of that. <laughs> And and so, so um, Christ has given us the resources to resist every temptation. I I like some of these texts in like for instance Second Peter one, uh, chapter one verses three and four. I love this in every context, including this actually context of self control, uh, when it comes to sexuality. Uh, we read there in in Second Peter one three and four, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and. Uh, Godliness through the knowledge of Him who called um, us by His own glory uh, and goodness. Uh, through these, uh, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So, hey, God is providing a strength and a way of escape. And then also we read in, in Titus 2 and verse 12, The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Very clear. Okay. Yeah, very clear. And uh, praise God that he has the strength. He does not leave us without strength uh, to be able to follow him. I'm wondering whether you can uh, share with us some, you know, some strategies for staying sexually pure. You know, it can be very challenging in today's world. Absolutely. Um, Lyle, I, I love, uh, there is, there is a person that, that, uh, both of us know. Uh, she recently spoke here, uh, Dr. Arlene Taylor. I think yes, indeed. I, Amazing. I, if you I, missed that, you really missed something. And, I, and she seems to come to Australia every year. So stay tuned. She'll probably be back. That's right. And, and, and she is accustomed to saying something that only like the Bible, it's, it's been in the Bible there for, you know, for, for millennia. But re- really, uh, everything star- starts in our, in our mind. And, and many people have said that the largest sex organ in the body is the mind. It's the brain. It's the brain. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so what we need to, when we are thinking about sexual purity, we need to remember that sexual purity begins in the mind, not in the body. So guard your mind and be very selective of what you feed into your mind. Uh, as we read in, in Proverbs uh, 23 and verse 7, and I use this very much, uh, to illustrate biblical, uh, uh, so to say, biblical cognitive behavior therapy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, so re- really our thinking will result in emotions and in actions and so on and so on. So guard your mind. Uh, the Bible um, says there also in, in the New Testament, Matthew 15 verses 19 and 20, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, Adultery, sexual immorality. So you know, Lyle, that uh, when the Bible talks about heart and mind, uh, that it our is our thinking and our emotions combined. <laughs> That's right. So, so many times, uh, 
we, 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 they're used interchangeably. Mm-hmm. A man said in his heart, you know, <laughs> can heart think? Well, the, the, the neuroscience and so on so now is confirming that we have a lot of neurons in our own heart. So, so, uh, also in Matthew 5, 28, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. For men too, I'm sure that uh, <laughs> men are not the the only one lasting, uh, you know. But this this is this is applies to all gender genders. So uh, you might have heard uh, giggle, garbage in, garbage out, or gold in, gold out, gold out. So so if you put God in, God is going to flow out of our hearts. If you put garbage in, of course, then garbage will be in our thinking, in our behavior, and 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 and, and so on and so on. So. Really, that is probably the most important thing in all this conversation for us to guard, to start with our mind. And the Bible says clearly, be renewed by the transforming of your mind. Yeah, and I just love it you know, where the Bible says that uh, you know, what we behold is what we become, really. It's the, it's the same principle, what we, what we feed, on, feed our brain on. David, this is a really important point. I want to come back to it after this break. We're going to stop now for this uh, song. We'll be right back, and we're going to pick up right where we left off. Winter didn't last The coldest months have passed Meant the broken parts Oh, meant the broken parts Winter didn't last The shadow's time has passed Light will fill the skies above us Chase away the dark Oh, chase away the dark
Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with David Stoidic. We're talking about sexual purity this morning. We've been talking about you know relationships and so forth, and this time sexual purity. And we were talking about the uh, the, the the gigo concept, you know, garbage in, garbage out, or godliness in, godliness out. That's right. Um, which is what we do with our brains. It, you know, what we put into our brains is what's going to come out of our brains. And it reminds me of a saying that says, and I want you to think about this. That's right. It's actually deep. Think about this. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. <laughs> yes. And that is very, very powerful. That's right. And that that's all starts in our mind, doesn't it? Uh, uh, your future or our future can be accurately predicted by by what you or what we allow our mind to dwell on. Uh, sinful actions don't come out of nowhere. They are the cumulative product of little moral compromises made over time, which ultimately culminate in ungodly behavior. So it kind of, it's a gradual sliding down, but it all starts, you know, with, with, with our thoughts, which, which become our emotions which become our actions, which become our character. And as you said so well, it actually leads us to to wherever we are going, you know, away from God or to God. And, you know, okay, so our first strategy that we have here is to guard our mind. Where do we go to from there? Okay, so so, uh, this is probably going to be somewhat, what I'm going to say is going to be somewhat uh, strange, Um or 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 uh, a b- bizarre, I would say, for some people, um, but but I hope we'll explain that. Uh, number one, we have to realize, or people have to realize, that they don't have to date. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about single people now. <laughs> no, no, because I'm a married person. I date my wife all the time. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about sing- yeah. I'm talking about people who are single. Sure. Uh, and 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 I hope they are not going to hate me for what I'm saying because I'm going to elaborate <laughs> on this. You know, we we don't have to. It's a choice. But uh, much sexual temptation today is created by our social practice of coupling and isolating young people instead of doing what the Hebrew culture. Biblical culture and many others have done. Actually, I have I have friends from from uh, from Indian culture, for instance. They have very different practices when it comes to dating. It's in the done in the context, you know, of other people. People are not isolated themselves. They come together, and 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 under some sort of a parental supervision, uh, and and this is a biblical practice. Uh, this structure of direct parental involvement and carefully overseeing courtship has been the normal social structure. It's ours, Western, that is abnormal. In our culture, the unprecedented combination of young people's leisure time, money, transportation, and being permitted to be alone for long hours and late at night, and the large gap between the average age of puberty and marriage have proven overwhelming temptation to many Christians, and and this is especially true in in a culture that distorts teen sex. You know, you look, you look, you watch some of the programs. They're basically glorifying teen sex. They're making it uh, uh, a romantic and desirable, but in essence, actually, it it it's it's emotionally devastating, and it's always uh, always morally wrong. So, um, many people think that to be normal, you have to date, but really, 
if you're looking at the biblical con- con- uh, concept of dating, you know, it's very different. It's not done, two of us disappear somewhere. <laughs> you know, it's done in the context of family and friends. Uh, there is no prohibition of association, but it's association that is always seen, you know, and there is accountability. Mm. So what would you what would you say what advice would you give to those who do date? <laughs> well, um, of course, uh, I, I will not I never will say that dating is necessarily wrong, but if you have some guidelines dating can be can be you know it can be uh, much better. So here are some guideline, guidelines. I'm talking now to Christian uh, young people or Christian single people. Uh, dating uh, if you're Christian date only date Christians. Uh, dating is a path to marriage. Uh, you will not marry every person you date, but the person you marry will be someone you dated. Uh, so de- therefore, every date is a potential mate. <laughs> so there is no such thing as just dating, or you don't just bungee jump from a helicopter, or you just uh, you know fight on the front lines uh, of a battle and you d- don't just date. It's too important to say just, uh, too much is at stake. So God says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship can light have with darkness? So when we're talking, this may sound very narrow-minded, but in essence, uh, uh, when you are dating somebody, it better be somebody who has the same worldview, who's got the same principles, who's, who's got the same commitment to the truth, the same value as yourself. That actually is some sort of a guarantee. I don't think it's narrow-minded at all, David, because <laughs> you know the Bible says it, but you and I have seen it on so many occasions where That's people right. have been married that have been unequally yoked. That's right. That's the term the Bible uses when it describes, you know, particularly when you marry outside of your faith, and what a disaster. Yes. Uh-uh. And I've said this before. If you're in a relationship and you're a Christian and the other person is not, Break up with them today. Yes. Make a phone call right now. We will let you switch Faith FM off for as long as it takes to have that conversation. Yes. Um, I am dead serious about this. Yes. Uh, so it, it has caused a lot of troubles. I, uh, Lyle, I, I, I just need to say that I met some Christian people who have married committed Christians from a, a different church, uh, different teachings. And let me tell you, I've heard this uh, from somebody who was married for 20 years at that time. And and they both love each other. And they both said, had we known how much this was going to be complicated, we would have not married somebody outside of our own belief system. And we're talking even about somebody who is a Christian, but just of a different denomination, different beliefs. So, so I'm not actually here saying something that is not out of our own practice as mm. ministers. Mm. So it's, 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 I agree with you. Yeah. Being equally yoked is very, very important. Okay, so sometimes I find people that uh, tell me that they are going out with somebody who is not a Christian, but you know they're coming to church and we believe they're going to give their heart to God. Um, is this a good form of witnessing? Uh, well, Lyle, you are an evangelist, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, okay. and, and I'm I'm an evangelist. I love evangelism. Yes, but there are many contexts in which to do evangelism, and dating isn't is not one, one of, of those. <laughs> well, I don't think that either you or I could say this strongly enough. Yeah. God doesn't call anyone to to be missionary dating to be flirt to, flirt to convert. <laughs> That's right. For too much is at risk. Uh, for the same reason, you wouldn't marry a non. Christian, 
you shouldn't date one. And if you wouldn't eat poison mushrooms, don't put them on your plate. You know, if you have any doubts about it, reread Second Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be unequally unequally yoked. Sure, sure. And so, so maybe just another another point: choose dates by character, not just appearance. You know, we are attracted to the opposite gender by aesthetics. But you know, we all both can say if aesthetics all there is, very soon that outside appearance becomes something repulsive. Unfortunately, not, David, we all grow old. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We grow old, and and we realize the importance of character. Mm. Uh, Look for character. I think women are somewhat better at this than men, you know, um, because they, you'll see some very pretty girls dating some not so handsome men, but they have gone for the heart of the person, for the character. And I salute them for that. I think we men should learn from that uh, you know, as well. And then realize where you go and what you go and who you go with uh, will influence your sexual desires. If you go to a lonely place with somebody and if somebody doesn't have the same values as you uh, as you have, you may end up on a very slippery ground. So so be very careful where you go and who you go with. And uh, yeah. David, has been fantastic having you on the show once again. This is a big subject. Maybe we can talk more about it at some future point. Um, so many things that we could uh, could spend talking about it. But um, some good advice, particularly for single people here this morning on uh, Faith FM and for people in relationships as well. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us, David, and uh, we look forward to hearing what you have to share with us again next week. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Lyle. You're listening to Faith FM. We'll be back after this song, followed by the 8 o'clock news, then back with Encounter with God. What a fellowship, what a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms what a blessedness, what a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning Leaning on the everlasting arms what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms I have blessed peace with my Lord so near Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarms Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Have you ever been challenged by evolution? Ever struggled to give a reasoned answer for your faith? Or ever felt overwhelmed by the predominance of belief 
in evolution. Then you need to be at the 2019 Faith and Science Conference. 13 top-level scientists and professors from around the world will be presenting on the most astounding discoveries, completely refuting the theory of evolution. July 16 to 19, Avondale College, Kurumbong, New South Wales. For details, call us now on one 800 324 843